Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on our bi-weekly mission to explore our favorite franchise. My name is Grace, and thanks for tuning in. With us this week, we have Jera. Hello. And we have Sue. Hi, everybody. Before we get to our main topic, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do first. Our show is entirely supported by our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month and get awesome rewards from thanks on social media, up to silly watch-along commentaries. Visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash women at warp. You can also support us by leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, we've got a... we've. We've got a minor main topic today, I'd say, <laughs> wouldn't you? Absolutely. Um, but before we get into it, I just have one other piece of housekeeping, which is to remind you that we are always looking for writers for our Women at Work blog. So it's a new year. Happy New Year, listeners. And so why not add to your resolutions? I resolve to write something for the Women at Work blog. <laughs> I resolve to as well. Yeah. And so uh, if you visit womenatwarp.com and click on contribute, you'll find all the information about our submission guidelines. You don't have to have any experience blogging. We're just interested in people from diverse perspectives uh, sharing thoughts around the themes that we explore on our show. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so our topic today is favorite minor characters. Da, 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 da. Now, Jarrah, how, how are we defining a minor character for this? Well, you know, we want this to be a fun episode, so we're not going to be too strict about it. But I think in our minds, we were thinking about characters who are not really the focus of the episode. So for example, if you're taking the episode, I'm just going to just randomly in theory, where Data dates, you would not choose the main love interest character in that episode, because mm -hmm. um, she is really like the main guest star in that episode. So it wouldn't be someone that you would write immediately pick out as um, like a really, you know, top tier guest star in an episode or a recurring guest star like Kai Wynn, uh, but more the people that you mentioned and you're like, oh yeah, that person was awesome. Like uh, Andy sadly could not join us tonight, but on her list is Sonia Gomez from the next generation. So those types of people. And we have lots of great listener suggestions. And we've come up with some suggestions ourselves. And we just kind of want to celebrate some of our favorites. They don't all have to be women. But I think just, you know, because that's partly who we're looking for, as well as people of color. Um, when we're watching that, there are a lot of great characters on our list who don't necessarily get all the celebration they're due. All right. So starting through with our picks, Sue, do you want to share one of your picks with us? Well, I think maybe we should start with Sonia Gomez. Sure. All right. <laughs> who is she again? <laughs> she is the engineer who, in her introduction, spills hot chocolate on Captain Picard. Oh, no. <laughs> Such shenanigans. Is there any better introduction in all of Star Trek? And like Jordy's kind of embarrassed by her, which is funny because Jordy is not really the most socially competent person on the Enterprise. Yeah, kind of the pot calling the kettle black there, Jordy. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he he is uh, he throws a bit of shade at Sonia Gomez and Barkley and some other people for for someone that uh, doesn't necessarily have all the best skills himself. Judge not lest ye be judged, LaForge. <laughs> <laughs> but really, who is carrying around hot beverages in main engineering? I guess she is. She uh she just she needs that cocoa to go go. It seems like a bad idea to me, and I speak from experience because not long ago I dumped hot chocolate all over my desk at work and I was late for my stand up call. So <laughs> but, but is it with Sonia's case, is it a bad idea or an endearing character trait? <laughs> eh? Eh? I mean, I, I really like her, but I can see, like, if we were doing a super critical analysis, you could be like, well, you know, we don't see a lot of female engineers, especially by that point in the Starfleet history or mm -hmm. Star Trek history. Is it great that we have this, like, woman of color engineer who is, like, not necessarily the most professional person that we deal with. They kind of play her off like a ditz. Yeah, but I like that she is super opinionated. Yes. Ditzy and opinionated is a very fun combination to be, let me tell you. She also talks about how excited she is to be on the Enterprise, and I like that she... We can all identify with that. Yeah, like we kind of talk about how Barkley 
is a bit of a mixed bag as like a sort of depiction of like awkward male fans. And I think a lot of us can relate to awkward Sonia Gomez being just like, I really want to be here on the Enterprise. Oh my gosh. And then spilling hot chocolate on Captain Picard. <laughs> like you do. Yeah. All right. So now do we want to go into one of Sue's picks? Oh, all right. How about I just come right out of left field and say Morass? Ooh. <laughs> kind of a dark horse there for <laughs> an orange cat. Right. Please, please elaborate for us. So if the name is unfamiliar to anyone, Morass is the Cation. Is that how they say it on uh, the animated series? She is a bridge officer, but we don't ever really get a lot of her background, any stories where she is the focus character. And I just, I want to know more. (laughs) One of the things that I do love so much about the animated series, though, is that, you know, it costs the same to draw a human or a totally non-humanoid alien. So they could do things, quote, believably, (laughs) much more easily uh, and much more cost-effectively than they ever could on the live action show. So there's some really just fantastical visuals in the animated series. And the fact that they could have a a Cation regularly on the show is just one of the things I love about TAS. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot to love there. Yeah. And actually, um, we didn't get a whole lot of suggestions for TAS, but I was thinking because there, I mean, almost because there were so few episodes too, just, there's a lot of, interesting characters that we only get to see a little bit of. And that was another criteria we were considering is just who makes you curious to learn more about them? I don't know if I I would say you could counter a minor character because she's one of several. But there's the woman who's the hunter Mm -hmm. in the episode where Kirk is with that like group of different aliens that all have to go and they get in the fight with the Kazinti. The Jihad? Yes. Yes, right. I I blocked the title of the episode um, from my brain, but it was, it was fifty years ago. Well, forty years ago. <laughs> yeah, but there were some some cool women characters in animated series, for and sure. definitely ones that I would like. I would totally read a novel about them. I have the Mares Christmas ornament on my tree right now uh, with the Aww. Eric's one, and I love it. <laughs> Is she gonna have a, a meowy little Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> There, I've made the worst pun possible for the show, and it can only go uphill from here. But honestly, like, Majel Barrett regularly purring (laughs) into her microphone. It's just so good. Yes, 100%. What a job. What a job. Mm -hmm. Jara, do we want to go into one of your picks now? Sure. One of the ones that I picked was Lupaza, who's one of Kira's friends from Deep Space Nine, and she is in the episodes Shakar and the Darkness and the Light. And in Shakar, we learned that she was kind of like Shakar's second in command in the Resistance. And Kira was considered like too young and Shakar thought she was too young to fight. But Lupaza saw like the promise in Kira and helped bring her into the Resistance and and make sure she was ready. And then she uh, shows up again, sadly, very briefly in the Darkness and the Light, because that is a devastating episode. Oh, man, that episode. But uh, her and her uh, partner, spouse, uh, Pharrell, and uh, they hang out with Kira, and they're clearly good friends. And it's just like, it's really cool to see this woman who's been through the same things Kira has, who's sort of a bit of a mentor figure, who seems like she's really like confident and sure of herself and just kind of like happy. And... Um, has kind of come to terms with the past and, you know, will reminisce with them like a war buddy. But I just, I really like her as a character and I think I would have rather see more stuff about her than Shakar. Hmm. Yeah, Shakar is pretty, pretty mayonnaise, if I may say so. Yeah, mayonnaise (laughs) love interest. That's the kind of thing, the kind of relationship and interaction that I wish we had gotten in Tasha Yar's story. Yes. Because we heard so many terrible things about her her experiences and where she came from, but we always saw her dealing with that alone. And here we have Kira with the opportunity to 
commiserate and to share and to just be with somebody who knows what she went through. And that's really valuable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shakar was better when he was a Scottish ghost candle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, who isn't really? (laughs) What about you, Grace? Who do you have on your list? Well, one of my picks, this is going to be a weird one because I'm not totally sure how they pronounced it, whether it was Perrin or Perrin. But either way, she is Sarek's new wife in the TNG episode, Sarek. And I've got a lot of questions there. And and that makes me want to know the answers to them, clearly. I think it was Perrin, but I haven't watched that episode in a while. But what what kind of questions? Well, basically, just in concept as a character, you have a lot of, well, what's the story there going of... Why does he keep marrying human women? Yeah, does he love her for her or for her sexy, rounded ears? It, it, <laughs> And she would definitely go into this relationship knowing, oh, yeah, Sarek, he had a long-term relationship with a human woman. It was a huge taboo, and they had a kid, and the kid is like this big hero now. And, oh, theirs was just a love story for the ages. Oh, she dead now. Have fun, (laughs) wife, too. Like, is there a second Mrs. DeWinter dynamic there? I gotta know. Uh... (laughs) She also has, like, this, you know, massive Vulcan-style necklace and, like, a headband, and it seems like she's wearing, like, Vulcan garb. So, also, how are, uh, you know, how is this happening where, is it, like, an expectation that, like, if you marry Sarek, you're going to dress like a good Vulcan woman? Because I think, I feel like Amanda in the original series looked more, like, stylish, and maybe it's just that we didn't have, you know, an expectation of what Vulcan women looked like in Journey to Babel, but I feel like Amanda's outfit in that, when I say stylish, I just mean more like there's more flair to it. Worst case scenario, Perrin is just kind of a Vulcan chaser. And Maybe she's just really into it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is as close as she's going to get to being Vulcan. We mm-hmm. also see more casual wear in TNG than we ever really did in TOS. So I think we have a... a- idea of the range we do and that just makes what she's wearing look a little more whoa girl tone it down (laughs) i think that she does a lot with you know not very much uh screen time in Sarek. but i guess like my question is is she really necessary because i feel like it's kind of sad that Sarek has all this pride and he can't share what he's going through with like anyone who's really close to him so it kind of puts her at a disadvantage because Picard ends up being so much more important to yeah. like the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. She is kind of just a vehicle character for the story, which is unfortunate. But again, in concept, I, I have so many questions and would like to see what could have been done there. Word. Also, does she get along with her stepson, who's way older than her, probably? <laughs> How weird is that at dinner? I mean, I feel like Spock at this point... Like, you have to go find him undercover on Romulus. There's a search for Spock to get him to come to family game night. Yeah, so I feel like he has not always been the person who was, you know, the first to organize the family reunion. Mm-hmm. He'll show up. He won't RSVP, but he will show up. Yeah, definitely. Should we just, like, maybe in between our rounds list some people that people that our listeners suggested on Facebook? Yeah, let's do that. That's a great idea. Okay, well, I'm going to just pick one that was suggested by several people, including Chris and Ruby and Julie, who is Tal Selis from the Voyager episode, The Good Shepherd. I feel like we talked about her in maybe the Janeway episode a bit, but she's the one, this is the episode where Janeway is sort of uh, literally, well, not literally shepherding, they're not sheep, figuratively shepherding (laughs) these crew members who are sort of like the Lower Decks crew. And they just basically have been underperforming. And Talcellus as the Bajoran who's kind of just in the wrong job. Like, she just isn't really good at the engineering-y, astrometrics-y stuff. But I like this suggestion. I think Ruby said, I love the realism of her struggles and also her friendship with Billy. It was refreshing to see an opposite gender friendship that had zero romantic hints attached. Hmm. Always good. Always positive to see more platonic friendship. Yeah, and I think when we talked about this episode, I mean, I know it's certainly not my favorite episode, and I dislike how I think she comes across as maybe not 
they all come across as like less than competent. That said, I think the actress did a really good job and it did definitely make me want to see more of her. And I think if she had turned up in more than that episode, then that would have helped with that idea that we just got to see her this one time and she wasn't necessarily like the strongest or uh, or like a character who had like an obvious important role to play on the mission. Another one that we've got re- that we got recommended to us on Facebook that I was actually considering for my list was uh, Captain Lisa Cusack from the DS9 episode The Sound of Her Voice. Yes. And for it this is a neat episode in the sense that this entire character is pretty much carried by vocal performance and I I'm afraid the actress's name is escaping me right now but until I saw this episode I only knew her for scattered mad tv skits and she just acts the crap out of this using only her voice and it's really fantastic deborah wilson yes we get to meet this character who's stuck and pretty much just talking to whoever she can to keep from going you know stir and all that and we get this really interesting picture of a character who's funny who's brave who's smart and it's it's sad that we don't get to if you'll forgive the pun, see more of her. (laughs) (laughs) I love that episode. It is one that always makes me cry. And I feel like, um, I know we missed her when we did our women captains episodes or episode. And um, a lot of listeners emailed us and we went, Oh no, no, no. It's really neat to hear about that last mission. And I guess sort of like someone like, you know, Philippa, Philippa Giorgio, like, makes you want to know about their their early days in Starfleet and how they joined the Academy and how they rose to the rank of captain, because she just seems like someone with such tremendous courage and empathy and determination that you, you want to know how they got to where they are. Yeah, the episode, uh, the plot really wouldn't carry if it was any less of an interesting character. It would just been like, okay, they're just talking to a lady on the phone the whole episode, that's it. But no, she's interesting. She uh, makes the characters question themselves and the dynamics they have with other characters. And uh, it just, it's a good episode. Yeah, and I almost put Giorgio, for example, on my list. Mm-hmm. Even though we see her over and over again in Discovery, and it looks like she's going to be playing a bigger part in season two, she wasn't really the focus of anything in season one. Mm-hmm. Except for revenge! <laughs> <laughs> but I think I, I don't think I'm alone in saying that I want to know so much more about Philippa Giorgio. Absolutely. We do have several other Discovery people that were shouted out. Basically the entire bridge crew. Yeah. And actually, I was wondering, Sue, because um, you have read Desperate Hours, the David Mack novel. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jonathan shouted out Lieutenant Jira Nirwani and said, have we ever seen a crew member wear full helmet VR headgear before? I want to know what the deal is with that. I feel like I would just get an epic headache. <laughs> and uh, so uh, Jira Nirwani is the one that people have called Ensign Daft Punk a lot yeah. on the internet. <laughs> And apparently uh, she is given a bit of background in that novel, but I know it's been a while, so I don't mean to put you on the spot. Do you remember anything about that? Yeah, it's been like a year, but there there isn't a whole lot. It's just a little bit of explanation that she wasn't the android that we were promised we would get, but that it was a, a VR helmet and it was to help with spatial positioning. Like, mm-hmm. so it's a part of, I think, navigation and tactical so that it yeah. helps you like better aim and well navigate <laughs> and it is definitely something that you know she can take off and i don't remember if there was anything about like the length of time she would wear it or if it would be for the entire shift okay i feel i feel vaguely like there might have been something but i can't say for sure i don't know maybe it's easier to wear it for the entire shift i feel Mm -hmm. like it's got to be one of those things like zero g training and stuff that like i would never get through but you evidently have to in starfleet maybe it's like (laughs) one of those things where if you're wearing a pair of really uncomfortable shoes if you take them off for five minutes it'll just be worse after you have to put them back on so you just leave the helmet on or maybe they can just give you a hypo spray for the disorientation when you take it off right as long as she's got fans in there yes (laughs) and as long as she's able to rock it harder faster better stronger <laughs> 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 
Yeah. I actually made a Deep Space Nine fan video to that when I was in university. <laughs> Song's the shit. <laughs> On Windows Movie Maker. Uh, <laughs> old school. Yeah. <laughs> Not even as old school as some of the stuff we've covered, but... <laughs> Yep, feels like a long time ago. <laughs> All right, we've uh, we've also got person on the Facebook picks that comes up in your picks, Sue. Do we want to go into that character? Yeah. Um. So Kate and Cheyenne suggested this character as well, but on my list is nurse or doctor, depending on the episode. Alyssa Ogawa. Woo! Also Yay. ensign or lieutenant, depending on the episode. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Gotta love inconsistency. Was she a lieutenant and then did she go back to being an ensign in Lower Decks? Or, oh wait, she gets promoted no, she got, in Lower she Decks. she got a promotion in okay. Lower Decks. Okay. Good for her. Yeah. Good because for her. remember pa- right. a- Ensign Powell or Lieutenant Powell will have to deal with Lieutenant Ogawa now? Why do I know every right. word of that episode? Yeah. Because. Um, <laughs> but uh, we see Alyssa a lot as as a nurse. She is a nurse. She's only, as far as I know, she's only a doctor in... Uh, I think Future Imperfect, when Riker is in the fake reality, and then maybe in the future in All Good Things. And on Star Trek Timelines. Hey. Well, I think that's her her Future Imperfect character, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There there is both a Nurse Ogawa and a CMO Ogawa on Star Trek Timelines. (laughs) There's a whole shower of Ogawas. (laughs) I like it whenever... We see consistency mm-hmm. in in the crew, and we see the same people in the background all the time. That's why one of the reasons I like Sonia Gomez. It's one of the reasons I like Alyssa Ogawa, and we see them being needed and useful. And in little instances, those characters do grow. Like we do see Alyssa get promoted, we see her get engaged, we see her start a family. So it's it reminds you, especially with Next Gen that there is just other life going on on the ship. It is a family ship. And that's Mm -hmm. something they didn't pay attention to as much as they maybe could have. But we do get those little reminders now and then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, another example of that was just before the show, we were talking about Lieutenant Jay, who is played by Tracy Coco. Tracy Coco! Yes, and... um. I just out of curiosity looked up her. She doesn't actually officially have a name in the script, but the actress said that Jonathan Frakes in an episode he was directing just started calling her Lieutenant J and they spelled it J-A-E and that kind of stuck and that's in the novels. And she was in 62 episodes and three out of the four Next Generation movies. So it, it like even though you might not immediately think of her when listing off Bridge Crew, really actually important influence in TNG and had some some kind of like badass action scenes and also a really great haircut. <laughs> really can't argue with that powerful of a what what do they what do you call that haircut? Just the intense intense angle of it. It was sort of it was almost like a faux hawk with more hair and gel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad at describing it. Was that, it was an extra faux hawk. Yeah. Yes. A faux real hawk. I got it. <laughs> there we go. All right, Jara, do you want to share another one of your picks with us? Sure. I'm going to shout out uh, taking a step away from TNG again because there's a lot of TNG ones, but uh, wanted to cast the net a bit wider. Um, Elizabeth Cutler from Enterprise, and she may may not have ended up being a minor character. Sadly, the actress Kelly Waymeyer passed away after only a few episodes. And so she was definitely a recurring guest star. But I feel like because we didn't get to see more of her, we can still celebrate her in this episode. And I just really liked that she was someone who was competent, had personality. There's sort of this thing where she's trying to decide whether whether Phlox is interested in her. But she's also a like a rad scientist and she's shown really early on having a lot of skill and just really like that about her and I wish that you know sad you know it's a tragedy that she passed away so young because it would have been great to have more of her on Enterprise. Yeah what I'm vaguely remembering of the character I would have liked to see more or see at least what they could have done with her as a part of the ensemble on Enterprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah like she gets to go on a couple of away missions but one of the things we've talked about with Enterprise before is it very rarely passes the Bechdel-Wallace test because Hoshi and T'Pol are almost never interacting with each other. 
And I feel like just having even a recurring guest star character like that more often would have, like, probably significantly increased the number of episodes that passed that test. Probably, yeah. It certainly would have been a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. There were many steps to take in the right direction that were un- stopped <laughs> and it was just kind of nice to see because we had like to paul who's very much an other and hoshi who is a human but very afraid early on and to have cutler who's more like on the same level as like mayweather and reed and trip where she's someone who she's part of the starfleet crew she's a human she's jazzed to be out in space She's just sort of trying to figure it out as she goes along. And so she's a little confused about the alien customs, but she still has sort of the same ideals and could be just sort of a more of a member of that group with the main crew. Yeah, just honestly, again, I've said it a million times, but just more, more, more ladies getting to do things on Enterprise, <laughs> please. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of episodes that if you watch like Oh, look at this five engineers in this scene. All white men. Yay. <laughs> well, golly, they sure are the yeah. standard. Mm -hmm. Or so they have repeatedly told me. <laughs> well, Grace, who else is on your list? Well, I know this is kind of cheating because she's pretty central in the episode, but I went with Pell from the DS9 episode yes. Rules of Acquisition. She is the Ferengi lady who goes undercover as a guy Ferengi so that she can get in with Quark. And get in with Quark. <laughs> yes. And she apparently really has this major head for business, but because she's a woman, the Frangi, what are they called again? The Frangi uh, Commerce, Commerce Authority. Commerce Authority won't let her participate in anything. And we keep getting alluded to how back on Ferengar, there's all these really weird, nonsensical, bass words rules for women there. And um, when you take the fact that we have this character who's just got natural business acumen, like, to an undeniable degree where even the Nagus has to say, damn, she's good, and all of these standards for the culture that she's supposed to be coming from, again, there's so many questions that that raises. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they just kind of pack her off to another quadrant and say, oh, yeah, she's fine now. She's having a great, a great time. And then we come back to this whole... Ferengi women's lib plot with Moogie that keeps coming up and they don't they have this prime character that they could also bring in and include somehow and that felt like an opportunity wasted mm -hmm. I mean we all love Pell so I'm never going to stop Pell from being on a list I would fight for Pell to keep her on my list even if the list was like elder Vulcans of Star Trek I'd be like I don't Pell. care Pell yep. Pell yeah get Pell in there why not Pell <laughs> Why not Pell? I've always wanted to see more of Pell. But yeah. And if you love Pell, or if you don't remember who Pell is, you should go and listen to our Ferengi Feminist Revolution episode, which was like one of our very first episodes. And we talked a lot about her. And Grace did an amazing audio reenactment of what might be one of Pell's future Ferengi romance novels. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Over the course of uh, podcasting about Star Trek, it's pretty ridiculous how often Pell has come up among people just being like, oh man, that character was great! And we never mm -hmm. saw her again. Mm -hmm. Yep. I love that, that I've, she just gets that reaction across the board. Pell for Grand Nagus 2020. <laughs> She's the Grand Nagus of our hearts. We had a few more uh, suggestions like that on social media. Like... Commander Shelby, mm -hmm. who, again, I would say that she is definitely one of the focus characters of Best of Both Worlds, but I want to mention oh. that we did do a whole episode just on her, and that's episode 58, The Right Choice for Your Job. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing how people really love Shelby, though, and she's uh, supposed to be uh, someone you don't really like, but right. we've done an episode on her, we keep getting her brought up, we've got a, we've got a friend who dresses in drag as her. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's wild. I love that. Another one that came up a few times was Tora Zial, mm -hmm. who, again, I would say for me is not so much a secondary character as somebody who some, some pretty major plot points revolve around. And we do have plans to do an episode just on her in the future. Yeah. And fun fact, I named my Rebel Legion and Saber Guild Star Wars Jedi character Tora Zial. <laughs> Nice. Nobody Hang on, you're not it. supposed to to mix the Trek and war? Who's the... the back of my Sith trading card 
says, today is a good day to die in Sith Common. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you think there's a hair salon that has a sign that says, today is a good day to die, spelled D-Y-E? If there were, I would go to it. Yes. I want that to be real. <laughs> I One of the ones that I liked from Twitter was Carrie's suggestion of Lieutenant Staddy, who is the mm-hmm. navigator in Voyager who dies in the first episode. And uh, she said, I'd like to believe there's an AU, an alternate universe where she survived and stayed at the helm instead of Paris. And I second that. And Paris could still be on there, but maybe we could lose, like, all of those early episodes where him and Neelix are just stupidly fighting over Kess and just skip ahead to the part where he has some maturity and is having an adult relationship with Taurus. She is also the only character who kind of said the name of our podcast on Yes. Facebook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because she has that line, do you always fly at women at warp speed, Mr. Paris? So whenever anyone mentions that in a blog post, it comes up in our Google alerts because <laughs> it says women at warp. And it has regularly happened where if we're trying to look up any tweets about us, it comes up. I mean, Voyager did really well on the Bechdel-Wallace test, but it was it was cool to see that they had this badass woman pilot and it would have been cool. I mean, it could have been cool also to see her and Paris be on the same ship and be, like, competitive about piloting. That would have been interesting to see. We get, like, one episode where they're in, like, the Grand Prix Delta Flyer races and he gets to be competitive with another lady, but could have done more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would have been hard because, like, you know, a lot of his purpose on the show is to be a prodigy pilot, but... I guess. Yeah. <laughs> they keep telling us it, but I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Can I just say one of my favorite requests that we got on Twitter, and our first non-female of the episode, the Klingon restaurant owner on DS9. The singing Klingon? Yeah. Assuming I correctly identified that from the photo that Carlos posted, because he just posted the photos, and I'm like... Okay, I might be a fake geek girl here, but I'm pretty sure. That's Look, even the, if it, the, if even if it's that's not the intended character, that's the character I want to talk about right now. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, shout out to Ken Ray for the singing Klingon. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was Ken. It might have been John. That sounds like it would be a musical, doesn't it? <laughs> like a really early Gilbert and Sullivan. Yes. Absolutely. And I mean, we see him in a few episodes and it's kind of awesome. I would totally, I mean, I don't really want to eat food that moves, but (laughs) I feel like he makes it an authentic experience that makes you want to try it. It is a fine quality dining experience on the promenade. Yes. It also helps to break down the idea of like the Klingon monoculture. Yes, Mm -hmm. right. Which is definitely good because... The more you look at Klingon culture as being monoculture, the less it makes sense. Right, because we get so much of like the honor and battle and glory and stuff with Worf. But we see in the, um, is it Suspicions? We get the Klingon scientist and here we get the Klingon chef. And it's just those little glimpses at the different aspects of these cultures just make the world a richer place. Which honestly... Isn't that what we all want out of life and out of Star Trek? Definitely. A richer place and more singing Klingons that serve us, you know, gach. <laughs> yes, definitely. And I don't know about you guys, but this is a thing I hate in real life, but love in fictional media whenever there's someone being sung to at a restaurant. <laughs> Again, it's just like, it's like purgatory when it happens to you in real life. You're just gritting your teeth, waiting for it to be over. Like, what did I do to deserve this? Did I make too much eye contact? But on TV, it's always gold. Yeah. All right, Sue, do you want to give us another one of your picks? Yeah, this is another one that came up a lot on our social media. Mark and David in particular also mentioned Erica Hernandez. Yes. Mm -hmm. The only Latinx captain shown in Star Trek. Again, another time where they could have given us so much more of her in Enterprise and didn't. Do better, guys. Do better. Yeah. Like, I feel like she is the major guest star in Home, but because she's very much like an Archer's love interest in that, I almost kind of consider, because we only got to see her a couple times after that, and she was in a much more minor role, um, at least in terms of, I mean, she's captaining the other Warp 5 ship, so that's awesome. You can't say that she isn't given an important post, but she just doesn't have the scenes, and a lot of her scenes are just about trip. 
and like whether Trip should be on her ship or not. It feels like she exists in the story to remind us that there is another Warp 5 ship. Yes. That's that's all. Yeah. And it's sad because she is awesome. And the episode where they're in battle together is really great. And um, it would have been really cool to see them do more things together. Instead, it's just like, oh, and they disappear. Oh, oh. potential mist. Thy name is Enterprise. <laughs> Go read the Destiny books if you want more of what might have happened after. And Jarek, can you give us another one of your picks? Uh, sure. So um, I picked Dara, who is Michelle Forbes' character that she played before Ensign Rowe, where she's the daughter in Half a Life of Timison. So that's when Roxanne is marrying or uh, she's with the guy Timison, who's the scientist, but like his people have ritual suicide. And Dara comes to convince him that he needs to go through with the ritual suicide, even though he's decided he's going to go off with Waxana and continue his work and all that stuff. And even though Michelle Forbes has a pretty hilarious hairdo in that oh episode. It kind of looks like antlers bunched onto her head. Yeah, but you like, you don't care because she is just like selling that role. She is giving so much like heart into that, like just couple of scenes that you would hire her to do all roles on Star Trek ever for the rest of Star Trek. And think of what walking into that role must have been like. They're like, okay, we need you to be really sad that your dad doesn't want to commit suicide and go. Yeah. Can you imagine how... Just going, yeah, I can do that. How much finesse does that take? Yeah, and you see him so happy with Loxana that then she comes and she basically has one scene where you have to believe that she has persuaded him to change his mind and kill himself. And she does it. And you can see why they wanted to bring her on for more after that. I just think it's a really powerful, uh, small role that would be... Like, yes, you absolutely do want to see more of, if not this character, than this actress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Sue, so you've got another one you wanted to cover. Do you want to give us that one? Oh, I just had an honorable mention. Ooh. Which is Nurse Linnell in TNG's First Contact. Yeah. Wants to get with Riker. <laughs> get in line, sugar. She's on my list because I'm in love with B.B. Newworth. Yes, <laughs> listen. That is my, my sole reason, and I admit to it. <laughs> That's pretty much the only reason you need. I debated that one, too, because it's like, it's problematic. We've talked about that before in other episodes, yeah. that he's in a position where he can't really reveal himself, so she's able to, like, coerce him into sex. Also, she's got those creepy mitten hands. Uh-huh. <laughs> but she, but she's BB Newirth, and, you know, um, not to minimize the problematic aspects She's just fun to watch. Yeah, but it's just, it's so over the top. I just, I love it. <laughs> so very. So the the top is no longer in sight. <laughs> We're beyond the top. Also, Aaron had mentioned Marasta Yale from that same episode, who's played by Carolyn Seymour, who also played Tereth, who was also mentioned. But I would say, like, I think Tereth is more of a, like, prominent character in Face of the Enemy than Marasta Yale is in First Contact, but I I love that she is this principled scientist who is, you know, working with the Enterprise crew and at the end of the day will put science over staying with her own people because she just can't abide by, you know, continuing to live in ignorance. She was a good actress. I do love it also that she gets this one line of, well, I'd hate for my people to be judged by our popular culture. (laughs) <laughs> I just always appreciate that coming from a sci-fi character on a TV show. Mm-hmm. You know, before we get to your last pick, Grace, we haven't really actually mentioned anyone from original series yet. Right. We've got a good one from the original series, too, on here. Number yeah, one. Which... Number mm-hmm. one. Suggested by Allison and by all of our hearts. <laughs> and it's only a minor character, I think, if you consider, like, the menagerie and don't consider like what the cage was setting up for like yeah. if you but absolutely um in the just looking at the original series a minor character with a major impact well and it appears that she is also going to be a minor character in discovery season 2 mm-hmm. yay um, rebecca romaine <laughs> i would love for her to have a much larger part i'm very excited to see number 1 on discovery but uh the 
what it was implied from a lot of, you know, panels and articles and stuff this fall is that she was only there for a few episodes. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'll take it still. Oh, I'll yeah, still same. take it. <laughs> we also had two people on Twitter and Jada and Robert shout out Samuel T. Cogley, who is the anti-technology lawyer in the original series. Gosh. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely a memorable character. Like there's a lot of guest stars in the original series. That the one you... that's uh, played by the guy from the House on Haunted Hill, isn't it? Ooh, I believe you are correct. It's a lady name. I remember that much. He is played by da, 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 Alicia Cook Jr. Yep, that's it. That's it. Yeah. And he's in the episode Court Martial. And actually, I almost put Ariel Shaw, who's the prosecutor in Court Martial, on my list as well. It's a good episode. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of guest stars in this one. So I think any of them could could be on our list. Um, but I think both of them... Um, I I can see why Cogley got mentioned. He's got like this really penetrating stare and he, uh, Alicia Cook Jr. really conveys this passion for his beliefs. And I think it's really strong. Whereas Ariel Shaw, I think is strong because she contrasts a lot of Kirk's other love interests in that she's someone who's like very professional. She is someone who has a job where she's like a little bit in power over him and at this point at least and i think i think they're both interesting characters doubt no doubt and one who i know we got recommended by multiple people and who really 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 did not get the fair shake character wise that she should have was samantha wildman Mm. who who ended up playing second fiddle to her baby yeah so very odd because wasn't she um she was named after someone wasn't she uh, if the story I'm remembering is correctly, Samantha Wildman is named for someone who either, I, I think, I believe, gave someone an organ transplant that saved their life. I believe you were right. We talked about this in our episode about Elogium, I think. Mm-hmm. And yes, so she was named after a little girl who died in an accident and whose organs were subsequently donated to the wife of writer Jimmy Diggs. The girl's parents told Diggs that she liked animals, so Diggs made Wildman a xenobiologist. That's so sweet. It's so weird that you'd put all that effort and tribute in and then just kind of like, nope, side, side. She's on the side now. Yeah, actually, the last episode that she appears in, at least like the the actress filled scenes for was Once Upon a Time. And that's the one with the young Naomi, if I'm not incorrect. Oh, no, that's the one with an older one. Sorry, it's Mortal Coil that I was mixing that up with. But still, um, like there's several Naomi episodes after that. Mm-hmm. And then Naomi's just kind of... Hanging out with everyone else. There's more Naomi than there is of Samantha, which is a little odd. Yeah, well, they went to create the big sister relationship with Seven. Mm-hmm. So that, the you know, the child would teach the other how to be human. You know, yeah. like we saw with Next Gen several times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess Seven doesn't need to pick up her up from her mom at all, ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with having her hang out with seven but surely there were some xenobiology opportunities especially you know when people get turned into giant newts and what have you (laughs) you would really think that would come up more yeah and we don't really see her except in the context of oh she gets pregnant oh she's pregnant oh she has a baby oh she's naomi's mom so even though we know she's a xenobiologist i don't really remember seeing her do xenobiology but yeah i may be wrong uh but i think it would have been cool to see more. It definitely would have. Again, especially if they're traveling through uncharted space. There's all kinds of weird critters out there. They even come up specifically in the plot. Yeah, you'd think she would be specifically useful on Voyager. More useful than Neelix. <laughs> well. I said it. <laughs> she had a kid just so that two other characters could be better. <laughs> Also, she had a kid and then technically took another kid from a parallel universe because that kid died. Oh, goodness. Okay. Another case where the more you look into it, the less water it holds. Okay, so another character that was shouted out was Nos, though, from the episode Gravity, who was played by Lori Petty, who was also in a a league of her own. And I remember when I first watched this as a kid, I was just like... It's the person from A League of Her Own. (laughs) It's Kit! The Rockford Peaches made it to space. (laughs) 
I was so excited, but she's like, she's super badass in that episode. And let's establish Lori Petty does a pretty damn good job of selling gibberish as alien speak. Yeah. Not easy to do. And yeah, this one where she's sort of like, she's sort of rescued by Tuvok and Paris, but she also is very much helping them. And uh, she is romantic towards Tuvok, but he is not necessarily super into her, which is sad. And she gets that classic line, I hate logic! <laughs> but then she, then he mind melds with her to help her understand and uh, debatable how much consent there was, because I don't think she could really understand what she was getting into. But it was, I think, in a way that was like well-intentioned and well-received in the episode, because... He just didn't know any other way to explain to her. And after that, you've really got a if you don't know me by now moment. Yeah. So so thanks to Avi for that suggestion. Um, Grace, you had another one on your list, though. I do. And I think it's the ultimate pick. So I'd kind of, if possible, I'd like to save it for the end. We can go through some more of the listener suggestions. Yes, because I think this is the pick. Really? Right here, really. Yes. I think you've got a really strong contender in Mourn. Uh, Mor- yes. Yeah, let's go with Morn. <laughs> Morn. Morn was a good suggestion, for sure. Morn does get an entire episode based around him, though. Yeah, but he's not in it until the very end. <laughs> but I, <laughs> that is such a fun episode, though. He's like Harry Limes in The Third Man. I love how whenever they talk to people, they the people always talk about how, how chatty he is. <laughs> uh, that part's fun. <laughs> Just all of the things that are implied about Morn that we never actually see. I often assume that people know the trivia that I know, but do we think everyone knows the story of Morn just, and his name? Let's just give it to the people. Give the people <laughs> yes. what they need. In case uh, there's anyone out there who hasn't heard the story, this is a reference to Cheers. <laughs> yes. And how the character of Norm would walk into the bar and everybody would yell, Norm! So they created their alien barfly and switched the consonants at the end of the name, and they got Morn. And that's one of my favorite things ever. Quarks is truly where everybody knows your name. <laughs> you probably want them to forget it, but they know. They know. Also, just in terms of, like, the sheer number of people who suggested her, uh, Robin Leffler was suggested by Carla, Rick, David, and Robert. People love Leffler. Yeah. I mean, I would say closer to a guest star and very memorable. Definitely a guest star. That was a big deal when that episode aired. Yeah. Also, let's all just take a moment for Ashley Judd. (sighs) (laughs) The rom-com queen. We also had Discovery shoutouts for, we had, oh wait, oh I am, now I'm looking at the numbers. Tied, four people, Patrick, Rashid, Maribel, and Derg all suggested Kayla Detmer from Discovery. Ooh. I think that is a good suggestion because we get to see how she isn't super a fan of Burnham, especially after the first two-parter. And then she's got sort of a cybernetic implant, possibly as a result of her injury, and probably as a result of her injury. And we don't really see a lot more about how she's dealing with this whole thing. She just sort of kind of seems to be skeptical and deals with it. But uh, she is a a character that I think, you you know, she's, you want to know more about her. You know, I never made that connection before, but it oh, makes really? total sense. Yeah. Well, just because they're, she and I think Arium both are described as like augmented humans. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I just, my brain was like, oh, okay, that's by choice. But like, oh, wait, maybe it wasn't by choice. Yeah. yeah. Well, she's also got like half of her hair missing now too. Oh right, yes. But I mean, oh, that, that could just be kick-ass. Awesome like- <laughs> what she lost in motor function in her face, she gained in excellent hair. Mm-hmm. Her loss is TV's gain. Yeah, and we we had some other shoutouts for Bridge Crew on Discovery as well for Ariam and for uh, Lieutenant Oosekun, and yeah. I think we would agree. Like you said, Sue, almost yeah. everyone on the Bridge of Discovery we could know more about. Yeah, and we're being told that we will. So fingers crossed. We better will. We we better will. <laughs> we better will, or I'm gonna just. Oh, I'm just anger, rage, <laughs> articulation of words will be made <laughs> if my satisfactions are not met. <laughs> well, okay. 
<laughs> we did have a suggestion for Kamala from The Perfect mm-hmm. Mate, uh, from Danica, who wrote, she gained an enhanced sense of duty from her bond with Picard. How did that shape her arranged marriage and diplomacy? Did she ever encounter Picard again? I think they're interesting questions. I definitely would call her, you know, a focus character, a main character in that episode. But that said, she is a character where you kind of, you really do leave the episode going, I wonder what happened to her. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What's she up to now? Famke Hansen. What you doing in space? We also had, going back to the subject of people of color who play sort of recurring background characters, we had Maribel suggest I would like to know more about Ayala, who is a Maquis who served on as uh, under Chakotay. And then he became a security officer. And he shows up a fair number of times. Like, he's there in Caretaker. Same actor, same role. Uh, his, his, uh, the actor is Tarek Ergen. Or Ergen, I may be pronouncing that wrong. Tariq. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Tariq Ergen, we're going to go with. And I apologize if I say that wrong. But he also comes back with Endgame. So he's there for the whole time. And... Really, we don't learn that much about him, but he, I mean, he he is a security officer. He guards Species 8472. You often, I think, see him guarding characters. He's, he's walks around a lot with a big, big phaser rifle. He was in 124. He had 124 appearances. So. Wow. Yeah. Dang. He was never specifically credited for playing Ayala and was only credited as security guard in Fury and tactical ND in Renaissance Man. So he uh, was addressed by that name three times and he worked in engineering a couple times, but was mostly a security uh, person and he was in on the bridge a couple times. So that's just another example of someone who you're like, that actor's doing an awesome job. That's a person of color character in a very uh, largely white cast um, that I would like to know more about. It's one of those ki- cases where you see someone and go, you, yes, you, keep yes. doing it. I dig it. Well, we're getting close to an hour. So I don't know if there's anyone else from the, the listener comments we should, we definitely want to shout out here uh, before we get to your coup de grace coup de grace as it were i'm waiting for it i'm all here for it anyone else you want to shout out from listener comments sue very very quickly some dr salar goodness mentioning dr salar brings up pretty much every character that Susie plaxton has played (laughs) true which we have an episode on (laughs) so there's that but yes and another episode that we did was admiral necheyev Wait, did she get her own or is she in her own? No, we have not. But we have interviewed the actress who played Admiral Necheyev, Natalia Nogulich. Nogulich. Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Uh, We have interviewed the actress who played her, Natalia Nogulich. She showed us some of her homemade knitwear. Yes, and she is a great character. We didn't give her her own episode? Not yet. Okay. We're going to do, we have plans for a women admirals episode. That's right. We also had Rachel Garrett, who I think, despite being a captain of the Enterprise, you can still count as a minor character because it's yesterday's Enterprise and there's a lot of other stuff going on. Excellent point. Which really says something about the episode, is it? Oh yeah, captain is totally the second fiddle here. (laughs) Um, we talked about her in our women captains episode uh, that and my, we were all big fans uh, also serial rager i want it to be rager i want it to be rager <laughs> so bad i feel like we talked about her before on the podcast and i mispronounced it so now i'm second guessing myself uh, but both patricia and avi suggested her avi said iconic navigation uh referring to the episode schisms and or sorry, not schisms, relics. And I liked how Picard trusted her expertise, so he didn't feel the need to direct her. We also got Helen Noel. Helen, yeah, Noel or Noel. Yeah, Anna and Brianna both suggested her. I would, she's on the borderline between a guest star and a minor character. Yeah. But I, I like her scientist, love interest. What more can I say? Mm-hmm. Is it Kajal? It's Kijal, like Kegel. <laughs> I thought assumption. it was Kayal. It's been a long time since I were like, I watched that episode. Well, the Cardassian hologram from Voyage oh, right, of right, Blood. right. It's a good yes. episode. Yeah. 
Okay, I can't pronounce the name, but I did watch that episode fairly recently, and he, yeah, he's cool. There, I mean, there's that's the one where the holograms that they gave to the Herogen that some of them have become sentient, and they're trying to figure out whether they need to emancipate them from the Herogen that are killing them or not. Which, generally speaking, is usually a good idea, emancipation. Yeah, yeah, that one's a weird episode, and we also talked about that semi-recently on the podcast, because that's an episode where the messages are a little bit mixed. Uh, We also had Rihanna Mayweather, uh, who is Travis's mom, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think definitely an underrated character. I would have liked to see more, especially, you know, like her husband dies, who's been, they've both been in charge of this boomer ship. And Rihanna's clearly got strength, but um, the whole episode really focuses around Travis and his brother, and it would have been cool to see uh, Rihanna have some more uh, scenes and some more autonomy. There's also Talus, the Endorian from Star Trek Enterprise. Yes! That's more Susie Plaxton, isn't it? No. No, that's ah! Tara. That's Tara. Talus is played by Molly Brink. This is the uh, tactical officer under Shran. Yeah, the one with the great Farrah Fawcett hair. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also uh, mentioned were Anabrantain and Lieutenant Palmer in TOS. Also Anabrantain's housekeeper. Oh my god, <laughs> she's the best. Yes. I've not mentioned, but I'm just adding that right now. No, let's let's add her. We're adding her now. Also, not on the list, but I mean, Kevin Riley. Yes. <laughs> Actually, a few people did suggest Kevin <laughs> Riley. Yes. Yeah. Definitely memorable. Excellent singer, inadvertent <laughs> feminist. Yeah, who who doesn't want him on, on their crew? People who don't like music, I guess. <laughs> People with very low patience. Well, Grace, why don't you bring us home? We've come to it. The ultimate underutilized minor character that never got due. I am, of course, talking about from the episode Collective. Can I get a drum roll? Borg baby. <laughs> the Borg baby that shows up is a catalyst for so much drama and then disappears. <laughs> what happened to that baby, Janeway? You guys had a Borg baby. The kids move on to your ship. But what happened to the baby? <laughs> Was it just too dark to say, oh yeah? Maybe didn't make it. Maybe it turned more Borg. What happened? Maybe it grew so fast the baby was the youngest child. We we have precedent. I just, I want answers. I want answers on that freaking puppet baby. It is pretty great. Did you say Muppet baby? I said puppet baby, but yeah, it's kind of, kind of like a robot Muppet, isn't it? Borged up baby. <laughs> Did they have to like keep it? Did they keep it in stasis until they got back to Earth? I mean, what happened there? Just, I don't need an entire plot. I just want something to go off of. <laughs> it's all I want. Yeah, the baby in the maturation chamber. Yeah, oh you got to admit that it was creepy as hell and awesome. It was. It was both of those things. <laughs> we get how many Echeb plots and no Borg baby payoff. <laughs> it's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. I'm curious. I don't I don't know the answers. If anyone has any Borg baby fan fiction, send it our way. Anyone just has answers for me so I can sleep at <laughs> night finally. <laughs> yeah. It's just been it's been so long. Creepy little baby came from that maturation chamber and and entered into my mind. <laughs> Forever. For good. For the collective. Maybe our New Year's resolution can just be think not on the Borg baby. It's like the star child from 2001 A Space Odyssey. There's no getting rid of it. You know it's there somewhere. You just don't know how. <laughs> And that's my curse. That's my curse in life. And I've shared it with all of you. All right. Uh, as we're finishing up, uh, where can people find you online, Jarrah? 
You can find me on Twitter at J-A-R-R-A-H Penguin. And where can people find you, Sue? You can find me on Twitter at Speltor. That's S-P-A-L-T-O-R. And you can find me on Twitter at BonecrusherJank. And if you'd like to contact us, you can do so by emailing crew at womenatwarp.com or on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at womenatwarp. And for more from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, visit podcast.roddenberry.com. Thanks so much, and should all the quaintance <laughs> be forgot and never brought to mind, then they won't tell us what happened to a MacGuffin baby any time. <laughs> for Borg baby time, my dear, for Borg baby time. We'll take a cup of kindness yet for Borg, baby. Borg Lang sign. I don't know what's happening. What happened to the baby?